bad. The last time we lost to them was in 1952. There you go. Well, I wasn't around. So uh, that was good. No, I'm, I'm, well, you should uh, subscribe to a totally 100% honest-to-goodness legal stream, Gov, like me. Yeah, absolutely, I should. Um, but I I make the, the basic error of subscribing to the television channels that are supposed to provide us with football. But... <laughs> That's a good one. Good one. <laughs> you, you and Rupert, good mates then. Um, so where, where do you want to start? Shall we go all the way back? We haven't we missed a week. So we've got a ton of games yeah. to talk about. Uh, Benfica at the Stadium of Light. Um, uh, after that, rather drab draw with Liverpool, which we spent a, a good hour and a half digesting last week. Um, uh, away at Benfica, better. I mean, it could be worse than Anfield, but not much better. Yeah, I mean, it was better in terms of intent, but the quality of performance was terrible. And I think between that and the Huddersfield game, you know, Mourinho obviously had a massive go at the players for their attitude about the Huddersfield game, but the extent to which like he should he remains culpable for this, the the, the fact that that Benfica game and that that Huddersfield game was so clearly a long tail on what happened at Anfield, because this is a squad that desperately needs its confidence building up, not knocking down. This is a squad carrying the burden of being the first unsuccessful Manchester United squad uh, in thirty years or whatever it is. Um, it doesn't take much to uh, to make them doubt themselves, and uh, mm. the being set up in such a defensive manner really knocked knocked the stuffing out of them. And then also for Mourinho to then flirt with Paris Saint Germain and leak articles through castles that you know he's uh, he's unhappy with the leadership at Manchester United, and then to criticise the players for their attitude. My goodness, it was tiresome. Oh, well, it really was, yeah. I mean, you spent much of last week's pod defending Mourinho, oh, sort of in a roundabout way, saying it was the players' fault. So are you backtracking on that one now? Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I think that that was, I think... I think we came to a consensus, a 70-30 consensus, didn't we? And in fact, I think the Spurs game, in a way, kind of gives argument for... Um, just how much of what happened at Anfield was on the players, because not a million miles different in terms of intent, but better execution in the counter-attack, at least late in the game. Mm. Uh, Yeah, sort of, yeah. I mean, look, um, I I think we're in agreement that, um, um, I I think it was described uh, in one paper as cowardly, the tactics at Anfield. And I think that's right, And but just for a, a number of reasons. Like, what one... Uh, that uh, this wasn't a very good Liverpool side, as evidenced last weekend when Spurs absolutely smashed them at Wembley. Um, uh, and two, that United were in such a good run of sort of attacking form prior to the international break that why would you why would you give up on that? Three, uh, about the confidence. Basically, Mourinho signalled to his players that he didn't believe in them. You know, first tough game of the season. Oh, we're going to shut up shop because we're not good enough to hold the ninth best team in the Premier League. You know, and I think that's had a catastrophic effect. Um, and Huddersfield was almost inevitable. It could have been any one of these games that that happened in as a result. So go away to Benfica. Actually managed to get four shots on target at Benfica, which is good uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, one at Anfield. Four at Benfica, three at Huddersfield, five at Swansea. Uh, mind you, I don't think the League Cup counts for much, does it? Um, 
except if we win it, of course, uh, and and three against Spurs, you know. So I just don't, the, all that attacking good play in the early part of the season has fallen off a cliff. And it was partly we're playing some decent sides in Spurs and, well, sort of Liverpool. Uh, but a lot of it's that the, those tactics seem to have just sucked the, sucked the confidence out of United um, this week. Mourinho was talking about fear and the fear factor at Old Trafford. And, and for me, the only fear at the moment is in the United squad. Well, I mean, as ever, there's nuance, isn't there? Because, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you that the effect on this squad of, of going to Anfield and playing that, playing that way or, or being kind of taught to, told to play that way has had a kind of inhibiting effect. I think in another squad, it can work fine. It can be brushed off. It's just part of the job along the way of, of winning the league. But this, this United squad has a kind of collective dysfunction that needs to be managed in a, in a different way, I think. And, and the thing about this particular United squad is, is it has a kind of specific collective dysfunction, which it does look ready to fall apart at any moment. And you you mentioned the fear factor. I think we do have to say United haven't lost at home for a year now under Mourinho, which is quite something, isn't it? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that does include <laughs> yes, 14 home draws in that time. Um, so, uh, what do you remember about the Benfica game? Uh, someone scored for us. That was good. Was it Marcus Rashford? Feels like it was Marcus Rashford. It must have been. Uh, it must have been Marcus Rashford because I believe that was his first Champions League start. So of course he scored. <laughs> cometh, cometh the hour, cometh the Rashford. Yes, he did uh, on the hour or so, wasn't it? So I mean, look, it was it was definitely a better performance against Benfica than it was against Liverpool. Uh, at least there was more intent there, wasn't there? Um, and uh, and some half decent performances from United. I thought uh, Mkhitaryan wasn't awful. In this game, because he's been awful in every other game. That's his new uh, his new standard, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Nemanja Matic, you know, very controlled in mid controlled midfield. I thought uh, back at his old club, um, the back four okay. Victor Lindelof not horrible back at his old old club. Mm, there was a couple <laughs> of shaky moments though, weren't there? there were he's uh, he's definitely um, taking a while to bed into the club, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it interesting talking about uh, uh, Mkhitaryan? I mean, uh, for, uh, Ferguson, Ferguson, <laughs> Mourinho did uh, to Mkhitaryan what he's now doing to Lindelof and sort of kept him on sidelines for six months or so. And we we're all going, oh, this is, he was a great player at Borussia. Why, why is he waiting? It doesn't make any sense. Now there's the situation where he's in the side every week and he's playing dog awful. Just he can't do anything right. Mkhitaryan and I had that had that exact thought watching the game today I was like oh a year ago everyone was like oh my god get Mkhitaryan into this team now everyone's like oh my god get Mkhitaryan out of this team I know um anyway so yeah uh, Benfica some half decent performances you know nothing, nothing too bad at the back actually looking at the stats Benfica had 11 shots none on target I don't remember them having that many shots but I guess they did so tell me about the Huddersfield game, Ed. What went wrong? Because I ah. could not bring myself to go back to it and rewatch it. Do, do you know what we haven't? Just before we get onto Huddersfield, uh, a moment of thought for the Benfica goalkeeper. <gasps> oh, that's what happened in the Benfica game. Oh, that's why I've blanked it out because it was a, an empathy overload. That poor kid. 
Wow. I mean, I, I watched, uh, It's uh, we're recording this on Saturday night. I watched the England under-17s win the under-17s World Cup. Um, I think it's okay to get excited about youth football, isn't it? In the right way, of course. Yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a very exciting match. England were 2-0 two, two down and came back to win uh, 5-2. And at the end of the game, all the Spanish kids were on the floor crying. And that's kind of what I thought about uh, Svilala, Svilala, Svilala. That was it. Um, from Benfica that he really looked like he wanted to have a good cry in the middle of that game. Because um, that was just a horrible, horrible mistake. Just got his positioning all wrong. Came too far forward to catch a really routine ball and then had to backpedal really quickly and couldn't stop himself. And uh, But I thought it was very classy of Romelu Lukaku and others afterwards put their arm around him and say, hey, it's all right. Yeah, he's he's Belgian, right? Romelu Lukaku was like, right, listen, Belgian to Belgian, I'm going to talk you through this pain. We're going to be fine. But the, the, there's a moment, the saddest moment in the whole the whole thing. Rashford did it on purpose, by the way, definitely trying to catch the keeper out with what he does. But then the keeper takes that step. He realises he's half-stepped over the line and then he kind of steps forward and holds the ball out a little bit. <laughs> it's like as if... Kind of, oh, 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 can I reverse time? Can I make the thing that's just happened not have happened? And in that kind of forward motion, completely gives up that he knows what's been going on all along. Uh, I thought it worked for Roy Carroll all those years ago, didn't it? Yeah, they didn't have the little buzzy thing on the ref's hands, though, did they, in those days? Magic buzzy thing, the wonder of technology. Yeah, anyway, Huddersfield. Huddersfield stunk. I mean, like, it was... um, it was actually less frustrating than Anfield because Anfield, I thought that it was just kind of cowardly the way United approached that against a really bad, bad Liverpool side. And I was just deeply frustrated that, that, you know, both Mourinho and the team were not able to put in any kind of performance. You know, Mourinho set them up to defend, got what he wanted and couldn't, apparently couldn't compute that everyone found this kind of weird. Uh, and, and the team didn't perform. Huddersfield... It was, I mean, they had so much possession, like 78% possession, but it was just all totally limp. I mean, not a decent shot at all that I can remember. Three on target, but I, I really don't even remember three. Um, and it was just all passive. And Huddersfield were in there trying to get tackles, uh, trying to uh, work on the break, um, just seemed to have all the energy, and, and United were flat. And Ander Herrera came out afterwards and said, you know, they had more passion, which I thought was very honest of him. And and in his first interview, Mourinho kind of shot the messenger and then and then has since backtracked on that one because I think he probably uh, realised that was a bit uncouth, um, given that Herrera had the balls to come out and say, yeah, we f***ed up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the one shot of note that United had was the, was the goal, wasn't it, when Rashford made it 2-1? That's right, I'd even forgotten that United scored a goal, <laughs> probably against the run of play, you know, even though we had 78% possession. The defensive areas, I mean, we've we got to talk about Johnny Wright. That's um, the, it's, it's, Victor Lindelof is clearly desperately struggling right. with his ad- adaptation. Ducks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how much adaptation you have to actually head the ball. He ducked out of the way. It was like, ignore my face. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the first was a shambles, though. I mean, Massa getting caught in possession, and bad, yeah. very weak. Not surprised he's out of the team this week. We would have absolutely hammered Wayne Rooney for that if it had been Rooney, wouldn't we? Well, I'm hammering Matter now. 
So just to, just to <laughs> yeah, make sure. Yeah. Wayne Rooney's birthday next week, by the way. Um, oh, no, just gone. Just gone. Wayne Rooney's birthday, just gone. Uh, happy whatever you are, Wayne. Um, no, no, I mean, Mata deserves a lot of criticism. Shouldn't lose the ball in that situation. But Jones, defensively, I re- remember all those years ago when Fergie was quite happy to play one-on-one at the back and push both fullbacks back. Can't do it with this United side. I mean, uh, it was interesting after after the fact how um, I can't remember who. Oh, it was Tom Ince. Tom Ince, Paul Ince's son, who said, "Yeah, our game plan was to get in behind the fullbacks because uh, they stay forward and don't get back and and uh, press them and and get in their faces." And it worked. Yep, it did. Valencia came in for some criticism. A rare nowadays rare positional error from him for that goal. Doesn't do that nearly as much as he uh, used to. Um, he's, he's obviously improved a lot as a fullback, uh, but yeah, it was bad. United were just very, very, very bad, and it was it was it was disappointing, but it wasn't that surprising, really. Um, no, I thought it was coming. I mean, M- Mourinho uh, just in the uh, press conference before the Tottenham game said that it was a one-off, that these things can happen, that on any day you can play badly. Uh, and that he knows his players and the the issue about, you know, not working hard enough or not having enough passion or not wanting it enough or being too complacent or whatever it was, uh, was a one-off and, and it wouldn't happen again. And fair enough, I can kind of buy that. And I accept that. Um, what I can't accept and I don't buy is that United playing ultra-defensively in a game against mid-table sides like Liverpool won't happen again because it probably will. <laughs> Now, um, then came Swansea in the Carabao Cup. Um, oh, just <laughs> sorry, unnecessary. <That's... laughs> Recall to Tom's bleep button. Um, yes, the um, artist formerly known as Milk Cup um, two nil win to United. Good performance, comfortable, nice, nice bit of uh, resting of Matic and Lukaku until late on in that game. Uh, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic performance from Jesse Lingard. Well worth his man of the match. Um, you, you got quite animated after that one, Ed. Well, I suggested that if they didn't like a young, still young, 24, local uh, lad who really loves playing for the club and puts in decent performances and is a very valuable member of this squad and scores some great goals, particularly in cups, they didn't like him, that they could, um, I don't know, entertain a part of my anatomy that's that's what he said on the twitter i sent an email this week to a person for pr purposes to do with a competition we're going to be running in a couple of weeks and in it i included a link to both of our twitter accounts and it was about five minutes after that email that you posted that tweet i was like kind of hope they don't click on that link as soon as they get the email It was a good moment, good timing. Yeah, um, good good for Jesse. You know, uh, he missed a very good chance against Spurs, didn't he? Uh, similar situation where he burst through. But I think, look, I think he puts in some very good performances for United. Uh, he won't always start. There are more talented players in this squad, uh, more talented players who spend a lot of time on the bench. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he's he's well worthy of playing plenty of games for United. And uh, the, the kind of criticism seems to come from a certain section of the Manchester United following public um, who think that United should have 11 Neymars in the side. Yeah, it feels a little... That's not how it works. It feels a little bit like that. And, and I think that, that Lingard is 
is better than he's broadly given credit for. I think he has serious limitations to his game and he's very, he was terrible, like absolutely public enemy number one against Huddersfield. Well, maybe not number one because I guess that's unfortunately got to go to Lindelof, but he was very poor in that game and really lacked, lacked kind of composure on the ball and he does sometimes. But then you get moments like the finish against Swansea and the header against Swansea. I guess the header, you know, it's good, it's good technique and everything, but you kind of have to put it a little bit down to everything falling in the right place. But once again, his movement off the ball is is such a fantastic asset and he's clearly worked really hard on that all his career. Um, and, and, you know, against um, Spurs, we saw the limitation, his physical limitations, because one of the big problems in that chance is he's just not fast enough. Um, so he couldn't get away from the defender who was chasing him. And so he kind of panicked and shot early um, for little to no reason. But against Swansea, he was, he was superb. And, you know, if we're going to win trophies, then you do need players like that who will kind of maybe specialise in the cups and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The problem isn't Lingard, it's the players, it's it's there being too many, still too many slightly average players in the squad, even though the, the mean quality of United, the kind of average quality of United players has gone up and up and up in the last couple of transfer windows. There's still a few duds kicking about the gaff, isn't there? There are, yeah. Um, uh, well, I was going to say, talking to does, but that's a bit unfair. Um, talk, talk, talking of players that are um, still kicking about that might not be, um, Mourinho talked an awful lot about Luke Shaw this week. Um, Shaw had mentioned his admiration for Pochettino, and I think uh, some of the members of uh, the Fourth Estate were trying to stir some trouble, but Mourinho dismissed that. But uh, Luke Shaw didn't really get a game against Swansea. He got, got a couple of minutes at the end. You'd think that was the game in which he should play, since he is now fit. Um, and the excuse or the uh, the reason Mourinho gave was that he has too many left-backs in the squad. I was looking down the list of players at Manchester United and I'm struggling, apart from Luke Shaw, to find an actual natural left-back. Can you name one? Uh, no, the, the reason that I cannot name one, Ed, is because there is not another one. Interesting, that, isn't it? Mm, yeah. But listen, if he was a midfielder, he'd get a game. That's what Jose said. Stick him in midfield. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's all very upsetting. I've given up, though. I, I don't think it's... I, I've kind of been holding out hope and holding out hope. But it's... Uh, it's it's it's. He's just a little injured. It's still good. Mm. It's still good. He's just a little fallen out with Jose. It's still good. It's still good. It's not good. He's he's going to go... If he does... He might... I think he might just go in January at this point. Well, he, really. Yeah, he might do. And, uh, and United will pay £45 million for a 31-year-old left-back. Mourinho. Um, anyway, can, can you name one that, that, that's uh, likely? The Tottenham game, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems seems possible. Tottenham game, then. Uh, not terrible performance-wise, and absolutely phenomenal result-wise. Like massively, massively important. The manner of the victory, in the sense that it came from a kind of late goal, should give a bit of a lift. Um, and eventually Paul Pogba will be back. Pogba and Ibrahimovic both back at Carrington this week, um, and and big things ahead, you know, uh, in terms of, of players coming back. I mean, if ever there was a player who was like a new signing, Paul Pogba is that, and of course, Latan Ibrahimovic technically is a new signing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, United definitely miss Pogba, and he would have added a lot of dynamism to this, uh, to this performance. 
you said not terrible. I mean, the first half, it was pretty terrible. I mean, Tottenham had Very Tottenham terrible. had full control. Uh, well, not for the, for the first ten minutes. United were, in fact, Tottenham were completely kept like not in the game whatsoever. No, United pressed United... for about ten minutes, uh, and yeah. then that all disappeared, and they sank back. and And the the problem with playing Herrera and Matic in there, and not Pogba, is that they they are both uh, like kind of you know planning to sit back or or instructed to sit back, and and uh, with Young and Valencia pushed back a lot with Davis and and especially Oria pushing forward, it basically meant United had a, a back five with two in front for much of the first half. And, and you know, the you know it's not like Tottenham created a lot of chances uh, in that first half. They definitely didn't. But uh, if there was a team that was going to score, it felt like it was Spurs. Completely changed at half-time. Uh, United came out, uh, much, you know, probably 10 or 15 yards further forward in, in terms of their base positioning, uh, much more aggressive, you know, actually physically aggressive as well, pushing forward, and it was a it was a completely different second half performance. Um, I, I don't know over the balance whether United really deserved to win the game. It was a pretty is pretty even in terms of chances, uh, xG, uh, control of the game, and all of that. But uh, definitely felt more positive second half. Much better performance and the late goal. I just looked up the statistics. United had 60% possession in the first 10 minutes of the game and Spurs had 60% possession in the next 10 minutes of the game, which is a kind of neat summary of how quickly it all changed. But yeah, the second half was where United came to life. Um, nine shots to three, um, which is that is a, a kind of a very big shot dominance, isn't it? And no coincidence that it really they really came into their own after some of the substitutions were made. So uh, Rashford was was fine, excellent, even like maybe maybe excellent is too strong, but but lively, dangerous, active, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, he was replaced by Marcelo, who eventually scored. But the the big problem early in the game and the kind of big solution late in the game was just Henry Mkhitaryan not like Lingard did brilliantly after he came on but Mkhitaryan's pass completion 62% that is not good that's and and that's not like he only had the ball 10 times and he missed four passes he he, he missed like 14 passes which if you're going to give the ball away 14 times in the opposition half, it's going to be a long, frustrating afternoon, isn't it? Mm, United's pass pos- uh, completion, 69%. <laughs> nice. I mean, this was, this was not pretty. Uh, in fact, I mean, yeah. I mean that's, um, that's, uh, it's both revealing and hiding part of the game, right? So yeah. this was not just United passing badly. Um, part of the tactic was to get it forward quite early. Yeah. Right? So they played three at the back, two in front, um, and they went quite direct. Uh, and it just didn't work in the first half. And eventually, of course, United scored from that, you know, old-fashioned route one from David De Gea. Uh, you know, get, getting his Wimbledon on and punting it. Um, very nice flick on from Lukaku and Martial bursts through to score, you know. Cl- classic Route 1 stuff that was. But it was actually a kind of summary of the tactics. They were planning to get it forward. And you can kind of understand in a way because in the first half, I mean, it's nothing to do with the conditions, you know. It wasn't that bad, just typical Manchester autumn, really. Um, uh, but but in the first half, you saw how much more of a unit Spurs were, right? I mean, look at the two 11s. I find it hard to say that Spurs have better players. 
I just don't think it's true. But there's definitely a better team. And, um, and you know, so when it came down to a passing game, Spurs were Spurs were superior to United. United got pretty ugly in the second half. You know, uh, went long, mixed it up, got physical, got more in Spurs' faces, uh, and that worked. Uh, a good amount of praise due to Ashley Young, who kind of led the charge in, in the physical sense and the kind of like general sense, but was also just pretty effective at left wing back. It's amazing how good a left wing back Ashley Young can be on his day. Um, Herrera did well defensively, but once again, really poor on the ball. And, you know, I, I think he's getting absolute pelters from uh, United fans. There, there was always a kind of, um, there was always a kind of minority, vocal minority of United fans kind of mirroring a lot of what opposition fans say and he's very overrated and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, he won player of the year for a reason last season. Um, and, and I do think the kind of retraining to be a number six is really hampering him at the moment when he really is needed not to be the number six in that midfield partnership. And a lot of his passing is quite, it just, he just doesn't look himself, but I kind of want to go back to um, our midfield Armenian because at the moment he should be absolutely nowhere near United's first team. And uh, he, he still is. And I guess he still will be. And obviously the ceiling on his ability is very high, but what do you think is just going on with Mkhitaryan at the moment? Is it that he's missing Pogba? So he's getting the ball you know, he's too isolated when he gets the ball or whatever, or, or and there's too much on his shoulders, or or is it is it something else? I mean, he should be loving Pogba and not being in the side because Pogba gets in his zone, you know. He's got plenty of space to work with the ball. It's not like he's not getting the ball. He's just doing nothing with it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see him necessarily coming deeper than normal. You know, and maybe there's more emphasis on him making a three than if Pogba was in there. But we spoke a lot about Pogba actually working more effectively, you know, going forward from a number eight position. So and and you know, being in there in a two, not necessarily supporting, uh, you know, suiting Pogba. So Mkhitaryan is going to play at ten. He's going to get more space with Herrera and Matic in there than Pogba and Matic. So um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's about Pogba. I think he's just playing really, really bad, and he's a kind of risky player, bursty player, and uh, and that kind of player playing really bad is not a good mix, you know. And it's odd because you know Mkhitaryan, first choice number ten, second choice appears to be Lingard. Uh, Matter, I don't know, is he seventh or eighth choice at number ten behind somewhere behind Phil Jones and David de Gea? <laughs> well, the the thing that I sent to the WhatsApp, which actually somebody asked a, a Rankast question about. Um, oh yeah, it was at the real Eric Leon. Um, he said, with Mickey having a tough spell, is it time to see Rashford behind Martial and yeah. Lukaku? Yeah. And that was what I thought would have been the move in this particular game, but Mourinho's never going to do it. Well, look, he can definitely play there, Rashford. Rashford is very good on the ball. And, and you know, anyone who's watched a, a lot of reserve and youth team football over the years will remember Rashford as a player who played a lot of times deeper, you know, in wide areas and deeper. Wasn't really an out-and-out striker until much later in his youth career and when he came into the, the first team. So, you know, and he's got a, he's got a, lots of talent on the ball. Look, look at that uh, sort of 50-yard pass he played late in the game, just skipped away from Lukaku. You know, under pressure, hit hit an almost pinpoint 50-yard ball. He's very good with the ball at his feet. So he can definitely play at number 10. Um, I mean, you know, Matter is a classic number 10. 
Obviously, Jose doesn't like players like that there. He doesn't want a classic number, put the foot on the ball and make passes. He wants a sort of bursty pace, change the dynamic of a, of a, you know the opposition's back line number 10, which Mkhitaryan is definitely not a classic number 10. Uh, just want to apologise if anyone hear any explosions. It's because we're recording this at nine o'clock at night on Saturday the 28th of October, which is officially in the kind of Diwali, 5th of November hinterland um, where there's still fireworks every weekend around my way. Don't lie, Paul. You've, you've taken one of those dangerous holidays to Baghdad, haven't you? <laughs> no. Um, no? 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 Uh, Did you see, we, we had a brief chat about this beforehand. I do not agree with having uh, bonfire night fireworks a week before bonfire night. Just It's just wrong. I mean, I can't, I can't hear what you're saying. And obviously, you're right. But I lean a little bit towards the live and let live in this regard. Although, in the end... As a, as a kind of lifelong fireworks fan, it is pretty much only fair to acknowledge that fireworks are bad. <laughs> like that is, they are clearly they clearly have a, a degree of social harm. Anyway, um, that's the mm. yeah. Well, uh, shall we talk? Shall we talk about the uh, the anthropological sort of meaning behind celebrating burning and quartering a Catholic uh, in sixteenth uh, century England? I'd- History lesson, anyone? um, Just to kind of leave this little mini discussion on a lighter note, um, my father's birthday, and my my father has a twin brother, and their birthday is on the 5th of November. And as kids, they they believed for several years that the fireworks were for their birthday, which I think is, like, cool. That is a cool thing to grow up believing. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, Should we take some questions from the listeners, or you got more to say about the Spurs game? Uh, What do you think of... I have no more to say. Look, uh, one thing we didn't say... What a great result. Yeah, yeah, what a, yeah I mean, fantastic. It, look, I, I really hope this kickstarts uh, United on a sort of second wind of good form. I mean, especially with Chelsea next weekend. Uh, you know, really, really need it. I, I can't say I have a load of confidence because I'm going to assume that Mourinho will park the bus against Chelsea. Yeah, we'll come on to that. But there's certain nice no, certain irony about that. But um, uh, I'm going to assume that. But I really hope it kind of stimulates the squad into feeling a bit more confident. Um, oh, I just want to say a quick word about Lukaku's performance against Everton because I heard him receive some criticism, not against Everton, sorry, against um, Tottenham. Um, I heard him receive some criticism of that performance and I think that's based on like maybe a couple of mistakes. There's one time he got in behind the lines and, and hit a poor cross over to the other side when Mkhitaryan and Rashford, well, when Mkhitaryan slightly got in Rashford's way and the ball found its way out to Lukaku's use of the ball there wasn't great. But the header that hit the post was an absolute beaut and it really had to be right over in that corner to stand any chance of beating Lloris. So kind of forgive him for getting it a couple of inches um, the wrong the wrong side of the post um, or at the post. Um, but but that assist was a thing of absolute beauty. Like it's it's like a perfectly weighted through ball with his head. Amazing. Yeah. I, and I thought he was, I mean, you can never really say it's unlucky to hit the post since that's, you know, not a shot on target. So Opta tells us, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, not far away and, and a really good header to, get power on it. I mean, um, two inches the other side and it's yeah. in. And um, also just have to talk about Martial 
taking the finish. Like that's his only chance in the game. He's been on the, the sideline for most of it. You know, there's a ton of pressure on his shoulders and uh, Tony Marshall scores again. Like he's having a phenomenal season in this strange job share role and what a player he is. You know, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Pogba is our best player I think there's a very solid argument to be made that Martial is our next best outfield player in the squad in terms of talent and all that kind of stuff. But he can barely get a start. Uh, still got, what, six goals and five assists or something like that, maybe seven goals, something like that. Um, uh, it's like, it's just too good not to get him in the team more. Yeah. and Really, would it have, today, playing 3-4-3, three, three, would it have been that criminal to play him and Rashford either side of Lukaku? Well, no, but he wasn't playing 3-4-3, three, three, was he? He was playing 3-4-1-2 because Mkhitaryan wasn't playing wide of Lukaku, was he? And Rashford... Rash, in fact, we, we haven't really talked no. about that, but it's very interesting, maybe the first time this season that we've played two up front. Um, and in the first half, there was clearly it was clearly not that comfortable. Um, they, they kind of tried to link up well, but it seemed like Martial and Lukaku maybe linked up a bit better than Rashford and Lukaku. Well, I, yeah, I actually thought Martial just played off the shoulder of the defender, right? So he escaped from Eric Dyer, right. which uh, Rashford couldn't really. So I mean, he he played a lot deeper. It was my sense. Right. I actually haven't looked at the heat maps and stuff like that, but I suspect that's probably probably true. But it's interesting to play to see, you know, when the, we we've talked a lot about different kinds of three at the back. This was definitely not a defensive mind, a fundamentally defensive minded three at the back. Rashford was not tracking back when Tottenham had the ball as in, not as in he was like ignoring instructions to track back. Lukaku and Rashford stayed up pitch a lot. They were both playing as strikers for sure. Um, and, And that was kind of nice to see because that's when, you know, it's fine to kind of soak up pressure against a good team and hit them on the break when you've got, you know, players like, I mean, Mkhitaryan, Rashford, Young, Valencia, there are limitations there in, in parts of those players. But in, in theory, that should be a pretty decent counter-attacking unit. And it wasn't really in the end. In the end, it was it was, uh, it was was a different sort of counter-attack of De Gea just launching it onto Lukaku's head and Lukaku putting it on a plate for Martial. Um, and well, Oof. hardly on a, on a plate, but um, but yeah, a lovely goal and and a fun, like you said, an absolutely phenomenal result because that keeps us right in the title picture and um, you know puts a little bit of distance between us and Spurs, I think. Um, and so you know, you, we cannot complain about that result whatsoever. Uh, well, no. Can can you ever complain about a win? I, I guess you can, but uh... I, I guess we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Reminder, listeners, we did actually win. Um, it is called rank cast for a reason, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, um, can't, can't complain about this one because it escaped with you know not a not a brilliant performance, not an awful performance, but not a brilliant one. Um, and and you know another occasion in which you know, I think Mourinho set up uh, with a mind to defend first or you know be secure at the back first. Another clean sheet for United, which is you know an awful lot of them at home this season. Um, you know and got, got what he wanted, and and the one um, the one chance. In fact, it was a big mistake from the Spurs defenders who really should have been covering around and anticipating in the way that Martial did. Right, so there's three Spurs defenders there, if you include Dyer, none of which picked up that uh, Lukaku might actually get a get the flick on. Martial did, and he's got the benefit. So, you know, and, and that's what Mourinho wants, doesn't he? He wants to draw mistakes out of the opposition. And, and United got it today and, and got 
for Mourinho, the perfect result. Uh, so, should we take some questions from the listeners? We've been away for ages, so we've got a lot of, a lot of them. Let's do it. After the Huddersfield game, Simon Stevens asked me what in my professional opinion is the meaning of Jose's twitching and collar pulling in his post-match press conference uh, it was clearly extremely stressed so his system's flooded with adrenaline and cortisol and you're likely to do a bunch of micro movements in in that situation that kind of reveal the stress there's it's a attempt to soothe to burn off some of that nervous energy that's pretty 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 simple. I don't think it takes too much reading into somebody uh, suge- suggesting uh, in reply to Simon that actually it was um, it was a signal to PSG. He was doing Morse code for "Come and Get Me." <laughs> um, he looks stressed, Mourinho. Yeah. I mean, uh, he is a man who looks like he's had not had a lot. I know about not having a lot of sleep. Three kids, stressful job. Um, generally, don't like sleeping. Mourinho looks really. F- like he's living on two or three hours a night of sleep. Uh, it's interesting. Do you think the job was maybe just a bit bigger than he thought? Uh, maybe, but he looked like this in his last spell at Chelsea and he knew exactly what the size of that job was. I think it's just him. He was wearing two shirts, by the way, two collared shirts before the Spurs game. Like We've talked a lot about Mourinho's appearance and while we were playing well, he was holding it together and wearing suits every week. And OK, the weather's changed, so I get we wanting to wrap up, but two collared shirts is one collared shirt too many for a, for a fit, Jose. <laughs> ah, talking of fashion, uh, before we get on to other things, um, David, David De Gea, with his weird... Like hold that, top hold that pony, thought, top pony thing. What you want me to hold, hold this that, thought? You want, you hold want that to, thought. I, I can barely thought. hold back the anger. I'm just thinking about it now. <laughs> At the red AA says United should break the bank and pay Spurs official fifty million to get Pochettino. Discuss. Um, I don't think it would cost fifty million to get Pochettino. To be <laughs> honest. Not- well, it's not. He, he's just going to walk out on his contract when uh, United come calling, uh, probably around about this time <laughs> next year after Mourinho has totally lost it. Um, I kind of hope that doesn't happen just because I, I want somehow want Mourinho to avert the tailspin that he seems to be set on, but we'll see. Um, he's got to win the league first. Like, before you fall apart, Jose, you've got to win the league. That's the deal. Um, at Jay Bonser says October the 24th a new record for how early we hear five Cantonars nope uh, I think I feel like it comes out just around the just before the clocks go back every year um, it is like you know it's getting earlier every year isn't it that's what they say uh, but no I think this is yeah I mean I, I'd say it's probably timed um, uh, at the point at which the mince pies come out in the supermarkets that, that's the beginning of September though Ed. That, that is society gone absolutely crazy I like a mince pie any yeah, time mince- of year yeah, fine, right? That is fine. I totally get... There is a solid argument to say that your mince pies should be sold alongside your apple pies or your uh, your cherry pie or whatever. What's the thing? Blackcurrant, apple and blackcurrant pies. You have them next to each other in a non-Christmas packaging all year round. I've got no argument with you. But to sell mince pies with an expiration date of October in Christmas packaging in September, that's just... <laughs> it's just too far. It's just too Talk, far. Talking to cherry pies, and sorry for the another aside. Um, you don't get cherry pies in this country, but uh, I went to the uh, cafe in Twin Peaks uh, in Snoqualmie um, this summer. It was really cheesy, really cheesy, but I had some cherry pie, as you must. Was it was it really good cherry pie, as I believe the expression is not quite? Yeah, it was all right. Took one home, you know. It, it wasn't life-changing, but... Uh, 
Yeah. Did it? Um, at Big Don Martin says, what is exactly going on with Pogba? Is he injured or injured in inverted commas? No, I think he was injured with no inverted commas. But yeah, back at Carrington, which is such a relief because we need him so bad. Uh, at Ka- yeah, no, not injured the way Jack Wilshere was injured for so long. Much praise Jack Wilshere got for his performance there in an Arsenal side against um, someone whose name I can't remember and had never heard of before. He's back, though, apparently. Um, at Coach Neville says, interesting that both youth team players that Jose Mourinho promoted are over six foot. And yet Gomez hadn't, hasn't had a look in. I know he's with England right now. Well, the, the thing is, this was this was just after the Swansea game. And yeah, it's worth noting that Axel Twanzebe, we should have said this at the time, Axel Twanzebe was excellent, excellent against Swansea and kind of should be higher in the pecking order. Uh, was on the full-time Devils preview and Gaz Drinkwater was making, for the Spurs game, and Gaz Drinkwater was making this point that Twanzebe should be a lot higher up in the pecking order than he is among United centre-backs. Well, look, is he any worse than Matteo Damian? Well, no. Uh, even at centre back, you know, um, is he worse than Chris Smalling? Actually, Smalling was like pretty decent against Spurs, to be fair. Um, but yeah, uh, and and Gomez is just young; he's sixteen. Maybe he's turned seventeen, but there's a big difference. He's he's seventeen, but he's yeah, he's one of the youngest in that England and seventeen squad. You know, I think there's a couple younger than he is. He, he scored a bunch of goals in the uh, in the group stage. D- didn't play quarterfinal, semifinal, final. Didn't start. Uh, actually, had a comment on the blog this week saying, uh, "Hang on a minute, wasn't he supposed to supposed to be the next Iniesta?" And he can't get a look in. I was like, "Oh, jeez, <laughs> what's wrong with Jesus?" <laughs> bit bit early to start that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the odds are that he doesn't make it still because. Almost no 16-year-olds actually make it. It's a very steep pyramid. Um, but, you know, he's got tons and tons of talent. He'll he'll have a go at some point, but give it another couple of years. Turns AB, he's good enough to be in the uh, squad Scott right McTominay, now. excellent, uh, I thought. Like, really assured and composed and very Carrick-esque. Yeah. And he was not not one who is particularly is. popular with the uh, the cool kids that watch reserve football. But he, he looks like he's growing into himself. Looks like maybe a bit of a later bloomer. And, and uh, I've been very impressed every time with just with how unfazed he's looked by playing senior football. Yeah, he's he's very calm, very good on the ball, knows what's going on around him. I think that's the big skill. You know, he's uh, he he finds space. He has that Carrick thing about being able to find space when there isn't any really. And you're right, he didn't. He's never been that impressive at reserve level. I mean, that's probably a bit harsh, but um, whenever I've seen him, he's definitely not going to be a player who stands out. There's uh, more talented players in that reserve squad, or have been over the last couple of years. But um, you know, he seems to have that kind of. Um, very professional, uh, you know, cool head on his shoulders, uh, not faced by the big occasion, doesn't feel the pressure. I thought he did very well against Swansea. Not too flashy, but uh, gets the ball, does does good things with it, and and really understands um, understands the game around him. Good skills. Uh, and the final point I'd like to make about Gomez is he's played for United's first team, and it was in a dead rubber, and it was a symbolic substitution. But not everybody gets to do that, so. At 16, to be given that little run out that he got against Crystal Palace, that is pretty remarkable. And, that you know, the only way he'd have played any senior football this season would have been in the League Cup. And and th- there's a reason that he's not getting in the team. And it isn't just because Mourinho's a what's-it, you know. Um, we should say as well, of course, that this um, that game... 
Uh, Rashford being in the team, Lingard being in the bench, Link- and McTominay being on the bench means uh, United will pass the 80-year mark since uh, the last time that there was a, a, a matchday squad picked without an academy graduate in it, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and I did kind of joke that it would be very funny if Mourinho hadn't picked any academy graduates and then had left this midweek to go to Paris Saint-Germain. But fortunately, that's not what happened. So the, the record continues. Which one of those is fortunate? Uh, that that he hasn't done that. That he's not given and quit and ended our remarkable record and gone to Paris Saint-Germain. It's good that he's not done that. Hmm. Do you wish he... Are you, are you Mourinho out, Ed? Is this, is it, no. Are you just waiting? Are you counting down the days? Uh, no, I definitely, I'm definitely not Mourinho out. I mean, you know, Jesus Christ. What, are United actually going to get anything better right now? No, I mean, and uh, the man is an almost guarantee that uh, more trophies will be on the way. Pro- probably win the FA Cup and the Champions League and the League Cup this year and lose out to City in the league by a point or something like that. You know, the point we dropped at Chelsea... Chelsea, Liverpool. I'm predicting what's going to happen next week already. So, um, no, definitely not. Um, He's not very united, though, is he? But we knew that before he came. He is in some ways in that he's annoying and box office, which a lot of people is how a lot of people describe United. Um, But in other ways, not. Uh, As we know, at Sutcliffe says, I worked behind enemy lines at City and received an evil stare from Alan Smith before the derby once. Who's given you bad vibes? Um, This is tangentially related, but after the 9-0 against against Ipswich, I was in a bar in an airport hotel in Manchester and Andy Cole came in and was definitely eyeing up the girl I was with. Um... So, but you know, that's not really bad vibes because he'd scored four goals that day, so it's fine. I mean, you would let him, wouldn't you? Obviously. <laughs> also, you know, also, you know, people aren't property. They have their own free will, can do what they like. It's not a question of letting that's, them. That's that's true. That's very true. <laughs> um, I once literally bumped into Bobby Charlton. Uh, I've told you this uh, story before, but um, yeah, literally, he, he was not best pleased about it. <laughs> and, and didn't really take kindly to my advances to have his signature on a, a match day programme. How old were you at the time? Can't remember. A few years ago, though. This is about 20 years right, ago. Okay. Um, at Callamore asks about what's going on with Mickey, but we've covered that. At Toyota underscore MUFC <laughs> says, why did we play so badly today? He, he said, uh, I hope we do- this has to, doesn't have to be read out at the end of the show because he, uh, he sent that before the Tottenham game. It's quite funny. Um, at Across the Keeper says, why is it seemingly the end of the world after every single loss or draw? Do fans forget that nobody wins every game? Bloody idiots. I, I think I get very annoyed with this attitude, I have to say. Um, of course, people are a bit too knee-jerk and that's a problem too. But the kind of like, oh, we lose games, da 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 da, da. People are allowed to react. You know, people are allowed to react and also to kind of point out when actually the there are patterns showing themselves which look likely to repeat, even though that doesn't turn out to be the case. Um, And yeah, you know, in the end, our kind of disastrous run featured one loss and one draw uh, and was far from disastrous and our best players injured. So it's not the end of the world. But 
I think there are issues and they're worth discussing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the the thing that annoys me uh, above everything else uh, is the, um, and there's various types of this, but the comment that basically says you're not allowed to have that opinion. Uh, yeah. of, of which yeah, of 100% about. of my reactions are variations of <laughs> At underscore Tommy A, talking of Tom, different Tom, says choose one, lemon or blackcurrant lemsip. Uh, I go lemon. Yeah, I always go for the lemon too. Yeah, the black currant's got a weird artificial sweetness to it, which is kind of gross, and it's lemsip's kind of gross anyway. So, mm. I don't get ill um, that often. So, fortunately, it's good. I do hit um, the gym four times a week. It works. <laughs> At stocky number six says it's too soon to write off Lindelof, but why do people compare his start with Vidic? I don't remember Vidic bottling headers. Well, very, well, very true. But he did, he did have a shocker against City on his debut. Yeah, and he was really well, near, near enough. His debut. he was really bad. I mean, Fergie hardly played him again that season, did he? You know, it was pretty terrible when he when he played, and he really looked shaky. And I think everyone thought Fergie had bought a dud, and he had in fact bought an Amanja Vidic. So there is some understandableness in uh, in the 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 uh, Lindelof thing but I have to say uh, I think it was Andy Mitten who wrote a list of United players who'd had a bad start and then turned out good um, and uh, someone else pointed out of course there are also United players that have had a bad start and turned out bad which I think is an important point when we're all just assuming it'll be fine because it might be fine True. or it might not True, there's been a bunch of United players who had a good start and turned out very bad. Uh, Matteo Darmian being one. Uh, I think I estimated he'd had six good games this week. Um, I think that might be generous. At Dr Nemesis 2001 says, with the influence of Dunkle Castles growing at Manchester United, will Jose Mourinho be looking to tie him down to a new deal before he signs for a new manager on a free? Um, and also... I mean, he is fully committed to the cause, uh, Dunk. I mean, you've got to, you've got to admire that, right? Trolling um, uh, Bernard Mendy this week. Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Mendy. Benjamin. Oh, God, I made the same mistake. <laughs> <Yep>. Oops. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, for, for Benjamin Mendy's uh, new column came out in the Times, clearly ghostwritten. I mean, he's, English is not even his first language, you know? Clearly ghostwritten, and there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Most most footballer columns are, and and managers too, you know. So, um, but um, yeah, he asked uh, Benjamin how how come his uh, writing style seemed like a graduated journalist. <laughs> um, he was he wasn't. I don't think he was trolling. I think he was teasing. That's a bit different. Uh, where he was trolling was in voting for Jose Mourinho as coach of the year. <laughs> so I downloaded and listened to M- magical the, the transfer record uh, the transfer transfer market the transfer window which is the name of the, the the Scottish football well the Scottish podcast that Duncan Castles is regularly on they talk about Premier League football mostly um, and Castles explained his decision and it was incredible to listen to the man is pure box office he has so much charisma when you listen to him you listen going oh yeah okay fair enough then you think about what he said and it's like you know he said he thought that in the end so one thing he clarified was that there is a short list that they're allowed to choose from so there are only, I think, 10 managers that they are allowed to pick from, and then they pick three of them. Um, and other journalists, as he was keen to point out, did vote for Mourinho. It's just that no other journalist gave Mourinho their number one vote. But to me, 
like, I do not understand how it is possible to look at the last calendar year of football and gone, yes, the coach that has done the best is the one who who guided his team to sixth in the league, uh, won the third tier domestic competition and a second tier European competition. Like, it's just... Oh, no, no, no. Look, look, we can make an argument for it. You know, he won three trophies. Uh, with, two, because uh, uh, it's calendar year. Three. Calendar year, two trophies. I don't care. You carry it. You 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 hold the community shield all year. Counts. Okay, fair enough. Not having that. Um, well, <laughs> I actually made that argument. Um, uh, I'm sticking with it. That's my story. Uh, yeah, no, 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 he's won three trophies. Uh, he's uh, he's taken a team that could have been falling off the cliff and taken them forward. He that only finished sixth because uh, he saved his best players for the Europa League final, knowing that was his best chance of getting into the Champions League. Does any are you buying any of this? Uh, I mean, yeah, I am in a way. To be fair, it's just that his performance, like at best, is above average. At best, it's above average. Um, best in the world. Anyway, a long way off. get Dunk signed up. New four-year we've, contract. We've got an important second follow-up question to this. Which do you, do you, just, a, just a side <laughs> question. Do you think Dunk... Do you, sorry, I, don't, <laughs> sorry. No, no, I need to ask this. Do, do, you, do you think Dunk speaks French? Because he's going to need to get a job at Le Mans. At Jamie O'Donoghue underscore says, in a tag team match featuring Ken Early and Miguel Delaney on one side, who do you pair with Duncan Castles on the other? And the thing is, it's impossible. There is not another journalist who is equivalently devoted to the cause of Jose Mourinho to pair with Duncan Castles. He is, it would have to be a handicap match. Maybe, what, Castle's best hope in that scenario is a run in from Mourinho himself. Oh my God! It's Jose Mourinho's music! Comes in with a steel chair, takes out Ken Earlies and Delaney, and then heaves Castles over whichever one of them's the legal man for the tag. That's the- Look, he could just go national and, and bring in Hunter, you know, as his, <laughs> as his second. Hunter? Hunter hates Jose Mourinho. He would indeed turn on Castles in a second to go and join in with uh, Delaney and Earlies. Yeah, but look, I don't watch wrestling, but Hunter jumping off the ropes to body slam someone. Yeah. Yeah, that's the analogy you were giving, right? So that, that's going to work. It just won't stay on the same side. But that would make for a good storyline. Uh, at Trotsky Grip says, seeing Pogba limp off, if you'd been told he'd be out for 10 games and were offered eight wins, one draw and one loss, would you have taken it? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yeah, I know. But that's a bit reductive, isn't it? It is. It really <laughs> is. Um, but, but, but yes, ultimately... Um, at Liz Worsley, friend of the show, uh, says every season we seem to have an injury crisis. Do you think this is related to the coaching, medical team, facilities, players? Um, I think it might just be basically about the fact that we're a top level. The, the players are playing under the highest possible pressure at Man United. That's that's the only thing that I can really think that it would be because there's been multiple. So does coach- pressure snap your hamstring? Yes, yes, um, of course I- it does because. You know, stress wears down on the body tremendously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in a, in a very literal sense, pressure does make you more vulnerable to, to injury and illness and all that hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, 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 when, when matters of uh, fitness come to the, the fore in terms of the debate, I, I look at Rendergob Ray's Twitter and he hasn't said anything about Mourinho. So uh, I guess Jose must be doing things okay. Maybe he could be Duncan Castle's tag team partner. Um, at 
Zigkova says, is Eric Bailly making his way towards becoming the new Uncle Pat? Yeah, I think I think he's the closest contender in the current squad. He is a very cheery fellow and I do like the cut of his jib. He is. He also does a weird thing in almost every game in which he falls over in some kind of comedy fashion and then springs up and sprints to win the ball. And it is to be encouraged. He did it again against Spurs today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, it was some kind of weird cartwheel, <laughs> cartwheel fall that he did and then he still managed to sprint 60 yards and, and win the ball back. Um, we kind of touched on this earlier, but... So just briefly, just to kind of yes, no answer. At Beat Bopping says, who would you sign in January or the summer? Not who would you, but would you sign uh, in... In fact, do you know what? This is not the question you asked. Sorry, at Beat Bopping. I'm going to ask a different question and have it yes or no. Would you sign a left-back in January? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, why why does it have to be yes or no? There's always nuance. I mean, there's nuance in everything we talk about and then you sit on the fence. That's the way this show works. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great summary. Um, uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, he just clearly doesn't believe in Luke Shaw, so might as well cut your losses at this point and, and move on. Um, and and a proper left back would add That's a lot to the team. I mean, then again, who are you going to get? Um, I'll have to think about this a bit better and come back with an answer next week uh, if you actually need a, a name on the left back. But uh, yeah, I think probably yeah. All right, who would I actually sign uh, in the winter? Just drop a hundred million on Griezmann now. <laughs> Danny Rose uh, would be a decent left back option, and has been making noises about leaving Spurs. So you know, also a half decent film in the nineteen eighties. And we can't talk about that. He's crossed the line, Ed. <laughs> he's crossed the line. I'm sad. He's one of our favourite filmmakers of all time, but he's gone too far now, as if he hadn't already. Um. Anyway, uh, Broadway Danny Rose would be my answer. Let's do one last question because this show is long and we want to do a decent preview of the Chelsea game. Um, at Matt T. Fajner says, please address De Gea's tiny man bun. I'm glad you got to that. Glad you got to that. This is wrong. It's just wrong. No. Stop it now. Cut the f- thing off. Um, I, was, I, I was almost... <laughs> Yeah, four, really? Um, yep. I'm surprised I haven't pulled out four F-bombs just in relation to De Gea's man bun. I, look, I was almost on board with your theory that De Gea was the best keeper in United's history. I'm still in the Schmeichel camp, still, but I was almost tipping over until he pulled that out. No. Would Big Pete have ever have done that? No. I, for me, for me, he's signalling his Galactico status with this. <laughs> You think it's a it's a come and get me plea directly to Gareth Bale? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the thing that annoyed me the most today, the most of all the annoying things that happened, Peter Spencer at Peter Spencer 007, former Manchester United editor of the Manchester Evening News, exports editor indeed. Sorry, I was underplaying his credentials. Wonder what Fergie makes of De Gea hairdo. He made him have short back and sides when he took over, and I was. Furious about this on so many levels. Firstly, did he? Did he? I seem to remember Brian Robson rocking quite the mop. When Mark Hughes came back, there was no sign of that beautiful, lustrous perm being controlled. Uh, So, first of all, I think it's just nonsense. And secondly, 
Sir Alex Ferguson had an immense tapestry of phenomenal qualities that made him uniquely gifted to be the greatest manager in the history of association football. But maybe his finest quality, maybe the thing which truly set him apart from his contemporaries and made him unique, was his ability to recognise that different generations are different. And actually, what looks like a ridiculous hairdo to you and I may in fact be an expression of personal cultural identity to the person doing it. So I think Fergie would have gone, oh, it's not for me, and left it at that. I think Fergie would have got a big pair of shears out and cut the thing off, which is exactly what should happen. It's a disgrace. You're an old man, Ed, an old, old man. Look, I mean, to be fair... This man bun, yeah. This man bun has turned me into Robbie Savage. <laughs> I, I, I went to a course. I, I went to a, like a workshop thing this week, um, and it was a, at a creative agency. And uh, the guy who led the workshop um, had skinny black jeans, a cardigan, um, a man bag, and a flat cap on for the whole two days. And I know I accepted that, you know, because it's, you know, creative agency. That was the football equivalent of doing that. No. Listen, all I'm saying is I think it's a very silly haircut, but it's not for me. I'm a 40 year old man. My opinions on hair are no longer relevant. Hair is for some is something for people in their twenties to experiment with. You know what I'm saying? Like you do you, Dave. Dave, no. David, you do you. Good, good for you. Uh, the the US military now have a laser thing that chops drones in half. It's awesome, by the way. Um, it's not like Star Wars where you can see the laser. It's it's in, it's light. Mm. Um, So you can't see it Uh, At least this spectrum of light And it just chops them in half It's awesome I'm going to take that to Old Trafford And I'm going to chop David De Gea's man bun off I mean it feels like feels like You know when NASA invested billions Into a pen that could write upside down And the Russians just used a pencil I feel like you're making a similar mistake there When when you could just use scissors And that would do the job perfectly adequately Mm. It could be. If I ran onto the pitch with a pair of scissors, how long do you think I'd last? (laughs) All right, uh, let's do some previewing. Uh, Benfica, uh, they were better than expected, and I don't think it was just United making them look better than expected. I think they they kind of really were playing for a degree of pride, but they have almost nothing to play for. I haven't looked at the group, but it's got to be close to mathematically impossible for uh, for them to get even third. Um, well, maybe they can still get third, but uh, they're clearly massive, massive underdogs for this game. Oh, yeah, they can definitely still get third because CSK Moscow have only got three points. Um, if United win this, that's 12 points. They're through. Um, be huge. I wouldn't be surprised if we play well, having kind of got that confidence-boosting win against Spurs. In fact, I expect us to play well. I think we will, and they're not a very good side. You know, there's definitely a lot of weaknesses. I think they're overperformed at home compared to their other performances this season. Um, I'm guessing they're not going to play an 18-year-old kid in goal at Old Trafford. Poor kid. Poor kid, yeah. Uh, I hope he comes back from that. Uh, he may be scarred for life, which is also amusing. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, I expect United to win this comfortably. I, I just don't think I think they're there for the taking. United, in the early part of the season, were very good flat-track bullies, and I'm hoping we get back to that. I expect us to get back to that. 
Uh, yeah, me too, in a way. I mean, I, I think with the Herrera and Matic central midfield pivot, the chances of a 4 0 are quite unlikely, but a comfortable 2 0. A reasonably comfortable 2-0 seems a likely scenario. But I feel like both in terms of the stage of the season and, and the stakes in this game and what this game represents is very much secondary. And, and also just obviously the scale of opposition is very much the secondary in terms of the games we're playing in the next week. And, and the big one is next week at Chelsea. And I think against Chelsea, I, I feel very differently to how I felt going into the Liverpool game. Against, against Liverpool, it felt like a surrend- an unnecessary surrender of momentum to kind of take a basically defensive approach to that game. Um, against Chelsea, I feel like it is perfectly reasonable to go there. And not, not only reasonable, it's probably on balance the right way to approach this game by and large with the personnel we have available to not like park the bus as in six or seven at the back when they've got the ball, but play the kind of game we played at home against Chelsea last season, which is very tactical, very designed to stop them and then hit them. And I feel like Mourinho, obviously he has a massive point to prove against them. Last time at the bridge was a complete disaster. Um, So he'll be hugely up for this one. I hope he kind of pulls out all the tactical stops and and really kind of, you know, maybe even sticks Herrera on... uh, sticks Herrera on Hazard again and does something along those lines and, and really goes for it. Fully Mourinho this one. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea in a different situation, aren't they, this year? They're they're not in as good a form. They're, they're going to be competitive, but um, clearly Conte didn't get the players he wanted in the summer. Uh, he has lost a bit of an edge and his team have lost a bit of an edge too. You know, they're not going to win the league this season, so they're not the same proposition. That said, I mean, and Hazard isn't the same proposition either. I mean, he's spent a lot, long time out injured too. So I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure Mourinho will be sort of the. I mean, there's, there's a temptation to say he'll repeat the pattern. Uh, I suspect actually that he'll he'll play quite deep. I mean, Chelsea are playing pretty differently than they did last season. They're still playing the same shape, um, uh, but they're less aggressive going forward. You know, um, we'll see. I, I kind of suspect that United will not like press high up the the pitch with a, a three up front and uh, and you know try and sort of combat Chelsea like that. Um, I rather suspect it'll basically be a five uh, and try and play on the break. Worth pointing out, Eden Hazard, uh, who has been struggling for form a little bit since his return from injury, uh, scored a goal and made seven key passes in the game against Bournemouth. Um, and uh, widely, that was today, widely heralded as, uh, oh my yeah. goodness, Hazard is back. So that Well, game... this this is Bournemouth. And, and not this is Bournemouth, they're a bad side. This is Bournemouth, they give up a lot of chances. Mkhitaryan <laughs> might have made five or six key passes. Okay, fair enough. But I think I think we have to acknowledge that that might represent something of an uptick in Hazard's form. Be interesting to see if he plays midweek and how he plays midweek. Um because uh, I think, you know, he's obviously Chelsea's main man. You're right, Chelsea are, are in a weird phase, but but the kind of the talk of crisis is like only at Chelsea would this be anything like a crisis, right? And it's, um, it's been a slightly stuttering start to the season, but by no means anything of a catastrophe. Um, a, a couple of like notably poor results, but they've only lost three games. I mean, I guess losing three games in the first 10 is, is dramatic by Chelsea standards, but 
they've won their last two in the league. I guess they'll probably win in the Champions League this week. Actually, they might not, mightn't they? Because they've got a very tough group. Um, but, you know, it's... I, I think it's 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 an interesting test. And, and whatever Chelsea are playing like at the moment, given how bad Liverpool have been at the start of their season and how, and how Mourinho approached that game... I mean, expecting anything other than a defensive-minded performance here is just—it's just ludicrous. It's, there's just no chance of that happening, is there? No, there's no, there's no chance. It's exactly what United are going to pull out. Yeah. Uh, in in my opinion, I mean, Chelsea did go to Spurs and win as well. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. this was Spurs getting used to Wembley or whatever nonsense, but um, you know, I, they're they're not a bad side. They're just not playing uh, anything like the level they were last season. So. Um, I, you know, but I just don't. Mourinho doesn't pick this on form, does he? Because if he had done that, United would have attacked uh, Anfield at least, you know, maybe for once or twice. So they go to they go to Rome in midweek, which you'd imagine would be like a reasonable challenge, but not nothing devastating. I mean, it's good that they're they're travelling and we're not in the week. Obviously, that, that's a, a small edge for us. But you know, they're top of their Champions League group, which features Rome, Roma, and Atletico Madrid. So that's pretty good going. And you know, I thought it was quite impressive the way they came back from were they two nil down against Watford? I think they were to win four two last weekend. So basically, what I'm saying is I'm nervous about this game because they. Conte, um, Antonio Conte will obviously be hugely fired up for it because um, he's got a big point to prove because weirdly he's the one that's attracted the most opprobrium from Mourinho uh, since Mourinho arrived at Manchester United. We all thought it would be Guardiola, but no, he's basically left Guardiola alone and is picking on Conte instead. Much like um, when uh, when Fergie stopped picking on Wenger when Mourinho rocked up. Uh, it's a bit like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm nervous about this one, Ed. I am. I think I think it could be very tricky, um, and especially if Chelsea get an early goal, then we're in real trouble. Well, there's not much of a plan B, is there? Uh, I mean, bring Lingard on. Uh, I think is plan B, or maybe Tony Martial. I yeah. Um, I, I I'm kind of nervous about it. I'm more nervous from less of the result because it could go either way, uh, and more of the performance. Uh, it's probably not going to be pretty. And um, what do you think? Do you think he'll play three at the back again? <laughs> I mean, I'd be deeply surprised if he doesn't. I, I mean, do we think that basically he's playing three at the back because of the midfield pivot not working properly? Uh, I think he's playing extra security because uh, that's the thing he needs uh, to have and to feel um, in order for everything to function. So, uh, yeah. Um, he thinks uh, I mean you know Herrera Matic should be more secure than Herrera Pogba right or Matic Pogba well yeah except it it, it, it just invites more and more pressure yeah yeah yeah. Um, and you know this is the dichotomy and uh, unfortunately I I suspect that United will be on the back foot an awful lot okay what do you predict the score in these two games is going to be I I think United will win 3-0 against Benfica it'll be pretty comfortable and um, I never predict a loss, do I? So I'm going to say 1-1 at Stamford Bridge. Uh, I think 2-0, 0-0. That's my two predictions. Uh, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm going out on a limb. I'm predicting a 1-0 Anthony Martial again with a winner in a game that United don't really deserve to win at Stamford Bridge. That's what I'm predicting for that one. And do you know what's more likely to happen? Is that It's going to be 0-0 in the 70th minute and his substitutions are going to be Damian... For Rashford, <laughs> Lingard for Lukaku, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And Fellaini's surprise fitness return (laughs) for for Martial. The thing is, though, the one mistake you've made there is he never takes off his big burly centre forward ever. Marina does not know the meaning of taking off your big burly centre forward. That's your one. I never. That's true. And and no no way Martial's going to start. So two mistakes. (laughs) Brilliant. No, subbed as a sub. There you go. All right. Lovely. (laughs) Patreon backers, stay tuned for some in-depth goalkeeper chat. Um, everyone else, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Apologies for the, the break in uh, podcasting. It was just due to life circumstances. But yeah, um, back in effect next week. See you then. The Rankcast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash to find out more.